Are you excited, Benson? Yeah. That's and are you excited for the birthday cake? Yep. Are you excited for kids' takeover? Yep. I am too. Have fun. Okay. Now let's watch past the night preach. Church. If you're a kid here, can I hear you? Can you make some noise? Let me know that you're in the room. And if you're old like me, can you make some noise? Let me know that you're here. I want to say hello to everybody here in Dover, also to everybody joining us online, and for everybody in Milton and in Plymouth. This is a very, very special Sunday, and I am so glad that you are here to be a part of it. Uh, very special, a lot of fun, and, um, and so, man, thank you so much for being here. If you don't know me, my name is Nate Gagney. I'm the lead pastor of Restoration Church. And I've been the lead pastor um, uh, going into my 10th year, been part of staff now for 17 years, and I started attending Restoration Church the week I turned five years old. That was in 1986. And I love this church. I love the memories of this church. But today, it is much more than a party. Today is... Uh, today is something prophetic. Today is um, a continuation or the beginning of a prophetic move of God. And today, God is directing us into his future for this church. You could do me a favor. If you can open up your Bibles or open up your Bible apps, I want to read a portion of scripture. And, uh, and so... Uh, jump in. If you don't have the Bible app downloaded now, you can Google this. And I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 3. And I know some of you will be like, oh no, it's getting dark today. But we're, we're not kind of jumping into all that. The beginning of Revelation opens up with Jesus giving a prophetic word to the Apostle John, who then recorded it. And the beginning is, and the part we're about to read is an address to seven different churches that existed in the world at that time. And I want to look at this one church and read about some of the things that were said to them and then talk to us as a church, as the kids in the church, the teenagers in the church, the elder statesmen of the church, to talk to us all and for us to just kind of look and address that a Restoration Church can become like the church at Sardis if we are not careful. So Revelation chapter three, and we're gonna start reading at verse number one. And for all of you kids, um, we get the words here on the screen. You can practice your reading while I am reading to you. 
So John writing this on behalf of Jesus says, I know all the things you do and that you have a reputation for being alive. So I guess I'm not starting at verse number one there. Uh, no, I am. I know all the things that you do right down here. And, uh, and I know that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. In verse number two, he says, wake up, strengthen what little remains for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly and as unexpected as a thief. So what Jesus is telling this church, maybe you didn't catch this in the writing. He said, listen, you look like you're alive, but you're dead. What does that mean? It means this church was a bunch of zombies. That's what's going on here. They were, there was a lot of activity going on. They had a big reputation, but Jesus is saying that you have a reputation for being alive, but the truth is you are dead. In the Restoration Church, as we now celebrate 75 years, as we look toward the years ahead, this is something that we want to be aware of. It was put in scripture, not just for the church in Sardis, but for the church at Dover, Milton, and Plymouth, for the church in New Hampshire, for the churches around the world, to not be so concerned about our reputation that we're not concerned about living the life that Jesus called us. Now, I want to teach you here a little bit something, and um, this is probably, unless you've unless you trained for ministry or like reading about churches, you may have not have realized before. There's a, a few different illustrations here of the life cycle of a church. I want to share one of them with you right now. And um, the, some of the terms can change, um, but this is kind of a, a famous one that's from 1981, the year I was born. So this is old. Certainly it could be replaced and be made more relevant uh, like me. But we can... What you look here is what you begin to see is that the church is born. And every church is born. Restoration Church was born in 1946 as a Bible study on 4th Street in Dover. It was born. Then there's growth. Then there's maturity. And, and in the birth stage, the church is just trying to stay alive. Will it last another week? And, in, and you, if you ever hear of a church planner or meet a church planner, this is their week-to-week -week life. Will we be open next week? Then there's growth, a little bit of stability, kind of like adolescence, there's a lot of immaturity. Sometimes you have a 12-year-old that's got a size 13 foot and they haven't grown into their feet yet. It's clumsy, it's awkward, but then there's maturity. And this is kind of, you know, think about your 30s and your 40s and your 50s in your life. This is where you, you know what you're doing, you're successful in that, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of growth, there's a lot of development, and there's a lot of success. Now what a lot of people don't always realize is that there's a, there's a downward cycle that a church can go over the hill, and what happens is your first thing that you realize is the church has gone into maintenance mode. It's just about us, it's just about what we like, and it's just about keeping what we like. And this is something that um, this is something that feels good. It feels right, but it's but it's but it it is a big problem because your next stage after that is into decline. 
because there's no vision, because we're not, we're not concerned about our community, because we're not concerned about anything other than ourselves, people who want to reach people for Jesus, people who want to lead, people who, wanna, who want to move the kingdom of God forward, they end up leaving. And because there's not new people coming to know the Lord, there's a decline. And then what happens is from decline, all of a sudden people become to get very controlling and it's my way and it's threats and then ultimately the church dies. Now this is where the church in Sardis was. They had a reputation, they had a big building, they had a lot of heritage, lots of things they were known for, but they were dead. And Restoration Church today on our 75th, you know, where have we been? We've, we've been, we've, we've been in our 75 years at places over here. We've even been over here at times, but thankfully, Thankfully, we, we are at this point. Now, here's the thing about the life cycle of a church. You can stay here, all right? That you can continue growing and developing and learning and increasing, and you can stay in this spot. And I've warned our church at different times over the years. You know, I, the, the most familiar one in my head was in 2016, when we bought this building in Dover, warning about going into a maintenance mode. And just, we have everything we need so we can be comfortable now. And this is the beginning of the end. And for us as a church to keep out of maintenance mode, which is gonna lead to death, it is to continually know what's next. To continually be after what God has for us next. God is infinite. So his, his mercies are new every morning and there's no end to his goodness. So what that means is God always has more for us. He never is obsolete in our life. He never um, becomes irrelevant in our life. If we continue to go after him, we can never know and experience all the good things that God has for us. You can experience God every day for your entire life and in your 91st year of your life, God has something new for you. He doesn't have to go like, oh man, I've run out. I wasn't expecting this guy to live for so long. Uh, maybe he's old, maybe he won't remember. Let's go back and let's just start over from what we did in the 20s, you know, maybe he won't remember. God, he's infinite, his goodness is infinite. What God wants to do in his church really is infinite. And what happens is, is when we move from trusting and going after what God has to trusting and enjoying what the institution has. This is never where we want to be. So today, we are looking forward. What Jesus tells the church in Sardis, he says, wake up, be watchful. An interesting thing about this church in this city, the city of Sardis had been conquered twice in its history. And the city of Sardis sat on a hill, and I'll show you a picture of the, uh, the excavated site. So you get this huge cliff with the city on top, and they just considered their, themselves as, uh, because how fortified their city was, they figured no army could ever overtake us, but it happened twice. And the, the most famous one that's documented in history was when the city of Sardis fell in the days of King Cyrus. King Cyrus came to Sardis, saw the city, was like, I want that city, because it, it'll be a good defensive position for our nation. And so they, 
he set up some spies to scope it out to figure out how they could get in. So one day, a soldier up on the top of the hill dropped his helmet. And when he dropped his helmet, the people spying on him saw him take the secret trail down to pick up his helmet and the secret trail back up. They knew that's the way in. So at nighttime, this army goes up the trail at nighttime to sneak in and attack the guards and take over the city. But when they climbed up the secret trail and they got to the entrance of the city, no one was there. They left the city unguarded because they were so sure, they were so confident in what they already had that they didn't have any concern for what could be coming in the future. And that happened to them twice in history where they were attacked at night just because they left the doors unguarded. As Restoration Church, we keep watch that we do not die. We make sure every week, really every day, that we're focused on Jesus, that we're focused on his mission, and it's not about church and what's in it for me and what I like, but it's always about those who do not yet know. It's always about those who haven't met Jesus. That is, and it always has to be, what our church is about. It can never become about the, about the building. It can never become about the ministries we like. It can never be about the style of music we like. It can never be about the type of people who are coming into the building. It can never be about anything but our realization that we've met Jesus and they haven't yet. And it, doesn't, it never comes from a place of judgment. It never comes from a place of superiority. It comes from, wait a minute, he's so good. Wait a minute, he's so real. He's so powerful. And all these people, you think about our culture right now and the, the wave of, of suicides happening as people are like, I can't handle it anymore. And to sit in our church building and to be here and, and just have balloons and party, we've got to realize that the balloons and the party is all about, there are so many people who do not yet know in that always has to be our mission. As much as we've celebrated the past this month, it is not about the past. It's not about the way things used to be. It is about the future. As Pastor Bob Olberg once told us, the good old days haven't happened yet. The best days of this church, we have great memories, but you know what? Those aren't the best days of our church. The best days haven't happened yet. In the next 75 years of our history, we can live the life cycle of the church where eventually we decline, eventually we die, or we can be we can be like the church in Sardis. We can have a reputation, but we can have no pulse, or we can live. We can have a clear direction of where we are headed and how we're going to get there, and we can go there together. Now, I'm going to need Kai to help me. Benton, if you want to help me. Um, uh, Aiden can help me. Just a couple older kids. The Shears, you want to come help me. I've got, I don't know, I, I, I apologize to every other campus. Online, they'll post a link for you. I've got Kingdom Builders guys that I want to hand out right now. If you guys will go and disperse those through the room. Kingdom Builders is what we, we give to you every year above our tithe, saying these are the things that we're going to go after. These are the things that we're going to want to try to do and give to. And 
Uh, so they're going to hand you out one of those so you just get an idea of what we're praying for, for you to know what you need to pray for and to begin to pray about how to give. Just give one to everybody, Benton. Um, and if a kid wants one because they want to pray about what God wants them to give, give them one. And if you're at a, in Plymouth or Milton and you haven't got a Kingdom Builders Guide, go ahead. Someone can begin to hand those out in the service right now. But as I continue to talk, don't get too distracted because I'll, I'll, talk, I'll walk you through a couple of things there um, in the service. As Restoration Church, we have three main areas that we've been going after. But, you know, honestly, we've never talked about them in one singular church service. We've, we've had different times where we've highlighted them all. I don't think any of this will be a surprise to you if you've been coming to Restoration Church for, for longer than a year. But I want to share with you some of the things that we are going to be focused on. We have been focused on, but we're going to continue to be focused on in the next few years. The first is multi-site. And, um, and we, there, we have three locations currently. The the, uh, the, the, what we're going to be going after is 10 locations, and this is never, and it is, is not to make our church bigger. This is to make the kingdom of heaven bigger. I'll share with you a couple of things. There's 1.1 million people, I don't know if you can change that background, 1.1 million people in New Hampshire. Just 13% are evangelical Christians. This term is kind of hijacked by uh, by by the news, it can make you feel negative for being that. But at its simplest form, an evangelical Christian is a Christian who, who tells other people about Jesus. That's what that means. So it don't don't take off all the political stuff that you've heard about it. This is simply what it means: They're Christians who want to tell other people about Jesus. Thirteen percent in New Hampshire are that. That's one hundred and seventy-six thousand eight hundred people in New Hampshire who classify themselves as a follower of Jesus, who wants to tell other people about Jesus. Now, here's the thing about that. New Hampshire is the least religious state in the country. Just 33% of those people in New Hampshire are religious. And so let me break this down for you. If 33% of religious, that means that there's 176 thousand people trying to reach the 911,000 people in our in our state who are not religious who don't follow Jesus who don't care to follow Jesus maybe they don't know they could follow Jesus and so the, what you see is the numbers are are not in our favor it's the Gideon's army of 300 against against a vast army but we're not against them all right we're not against them we have the opportunity to share Jesus with them and so our heart for multi-site is to place these base camps of ministry throughout the state that people can be reached. This is what we're trying to do. We're not content to sit back and wait for someone to do something. We will do what we can. And there'll be times where we try to do something and we're not successful and we fail, but we will try. We will try. We will not play it safe. We will try and go after any, any person is far from God. The second thing about Restoration Church that we're going after is missions 
And it's our prayer that one day we would give away $1 million annually. I want to tell you that in 2020, our kingdom builders and our missions giving combined totaled $195,343.30. That is absolutely wild. That is absolutely amazing. We realize what God can do through us. It is much more than we could ever figure we could do on our own. Two years ago, that number was maybe it was maybe $40,000. In two years, it's grown from $40,000 to almost $200,000. 28.6 of the world population is Christian. When you realize that 71% of the world doesn't know Jesus, praying that this goal of giving $1 million annually, this, you pray that this is a goal we realize in the next five years. It's not a one day, hopefully 75 years from now we've done this. When you realize 71% of the world does not know Jesus, our prayer is, God, allow me to give more. God, allow us to give more. And our prayer is that in the next five years, we will hit that million dollar goal and we'll begin giving a million dollars annually and then we'll put another goal before us. It cannot wait. We cannot hope that someday it happens. We've got to be diligent and praying, God, help me do my part. God, what do you want me to do? How do you want to stretch me? And we go after that. I want you to pray about what God is asking you to give in 2020. You've got your kingdom builder's guide for this year. In it, there's a couple things in there that we've never shared before. One, Restoration Church is going to be starting a new nonprofit called Restoration Recovery. We don't have all of the details to share with you right now, but our, our, um, uh, our immediate plans would be to open a sober living home to open a, and to open a counseling center. This is a few of our initial prayers. God, if you'll allow us and give opportunity and to create a way and to give us favor, We'd love to serve you this way. In there, you'll see two different projects about Cuba. We're taking a trip to Cuba where we'll be bringing Kingdom Builders money with us on that trip, investing it into a church project and building that project together is gonna be very special. And also, we're gonna be giving to Global University and earmarking that for the Cuban Bible College, which is an international college raising up pastors. So we got two projects to Cuba this year, and um, if you're still on the fence about whether or not to go to Cuba, there are still some seats on that trip, and we'd love for you to come. And then thirdly, you'll see on that, in that guide that through our kingdom builders, we want to hire a full-time kids pastor this year. This, um, this individual would lead in this Dover location, but they would help and influence and resource our volunteer leaders at every location. This is, we believe, especially through this series, this is a deliberate thing that God has placed before us. Kids Takeover was on the calendar before this was in our Kingdom Builders Guide. And even on the first week of this series when Glenn Hurley, my former youth pastor, began to speak, it was like, wait a minute, this is not just an idea that we had or a good thing that we had. This is something that God is strategically setting up for us right now. And then lastly, 
And so it's multi-site missions and ministers. This is the last one. That through Restoration Church, over the next few years, we want to train and raise up 100 ministers and missionaries. Some will serve in this house. Some will serve around the world. But within our own denomination in Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine, 50% of the ordained ministers in our denomination are age 60 and older. 50% of them. That means there's a lot of empty churches on, her, on the horizon. Worldwide, it is estimated that one missionary is needed for every 50,000 unreached, unreached people. As a result, we need 66,000 more missionaries to serve these people around the world. 100 is a small dent. It's not even a dent. It is a small surface scratch in the need, but we're not going to sit back and say we're not going to do anything about it. We're comfortable. We're fine. Our prayer is going to be, God, disrupt my career, disrupt my plans, disrupt my life. If you can send me, send me. If you can use me, use me. If you can call me, call me. Whatever I can do, I'm going to do it. God, what do you want me to do? And then taking that assignment and doing it joyfully. Our focus, multi-site missions and ministers, broken down, what are we going after? 10 locations, giving $1 million annually, and raising up 100 ministers and missionaries. We should accomplish this in the next 10 years. We can accomplish this much faster if as a church, we will be united together, we will pray prayers of faith together, and we will go after everything that God has for us without excuse, and then when we have setback, we push, we keep moving forward. We have the faith in knowing our God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, and we go for it. Are you with me? This next season, we're focusing on the future and the future Christian leaders that God has called us to raise up. It is going to be fun. I want to invite a young man to join me on the stage. If you could please give a huge welcome to my son, Benaya, as he's going to come and share some words. Good morning, everybody. So I'm gonna ask you guys a question. What will it take for this church to go on another 75 years? Well, it will take kids. If there were no kids here, there'd be no church. There'd be no future church. A pastor once said, if the if, if you don't hear crying, the church is dying. The kids are the future church. Also, the kids are the church right now. Don't say, kids can't follow Jesus, they're too young. There's no age limit. Jesus loves us all equally. He loves us all. The angels don't stop cheering and singing when they hear a five-year-old gave their life to Jesus. They cheer so much, they love to hear that a person giving their life to Jesus. Paul tells the Corinthian church in chapter 11, 
follow me as I follow Christ. Another way to say it would be, copy me and you will, and you will know how to follow Jesus. If the kids in this church copied you, would, the, would, they, would we follow Jesus? Would this church continue 75 more years? In Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Tell me, are you training up your child towards Christ? Today, I'm asking you to help us kids of Restoration Church by doing these five things. Number one, help us by going to church. We can't drive ourselves. It's not the 1940s. When you go to church and love church, the kids love church and want to keep going. Number two, help us by showing us how to give. Challenge us kids to give. When Pastor Andrew challenged me and my brothers to give, we were able to raise $1,600. Number three, help us by being kind to others. Teach us to love our neighbor. Where, where else in today's world can we learn that? Number four, help us by talking about Jesus. If you don't tell us about Jesus, how, we, how will we know him? Maybe you can help this way by serving in the kids' wing. Number five, help us by t- talking to Jesus. Pray with us to him. If you pray with us, it grows our connection with God. In 3 John 1, verse 4, the Apostle Apostle John said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I hope you feel the joy of your kids following Jesus, the joy of hearing them say, I heard God talk to me and saying, I love God so much. I want to end with this verse in Matthew 19, verse 14. Jesus said, that the children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such of these. I'm going to pray for you guys. Okay. Jesus, I just pray that this message spoke to these parents, that they'll ha- talk to their kids about Jesus, they'll bring them to church every week, they'll pray with them, um, and they'll... Tell, give them all, give them connection cards that they can go to school and give to their friends, and that the kids get to move through this, and that they tell their parents what they learned in church today, and that they just love Jesus so much, and that they give their life to Jesus. So, Amen. Thank you. Amen. God. Put your hands together. I want to address the need for you to participate in the miracles God has in the days ahead. A few years back, my mom was leaving her house to head to our Christmas Eve service. And she's coming to the late service. When she walked out of her house to get to her car, she slipped on ice and fell in her driveway and broke her hip. Thankfully, she had her cell phone on her. She was able to call 911 as she laid in the driveway on that frigid cold night for 35 minutes while she waited for the ambulance to come. 
They brought her to the local hospital and they, you know, they did, kind of went through everything. It was broken and they made their prognosis. It was going to be a hip replacement. Christmas Day, she sat in the hospital and the day after Christmas, they put her into surgery and they replaced her hip. I remember being astonished to find this out. I was not familiar with hip replacements, but the plan was for my mom to walk the same day of her surgery. She's got a broken hip. They're going to go in to do surgery, put a new hip on, and then later that day, once all the anesthesia wears off, the plan is she's going to get up and walk. And I remember talking to the nurse about it. I'm like, That's, that seems crazy. And she said, well, in the, you know, back before we had this technology, you'd have to sit in bed for three months and wait for your hip to heal. And many people died as a result of waiting their hips to heal. That now the most important thing you can do is to get up and move. It's really important to move right away. If a person remains immobile after a hip fracture, it can lead to additional problems. It can lead to blood clots in the legs or the, or the lungs. It can lead to bed, bed sores. It can lead to urinary tract infections. Listen to me, church. Online, in Dover, in Plymouth, and in Milton, it's time to get out of bed. Now, let me be a little bit more specific than that. I know we have people at every location and people online who aren't serving because they were hurt at another church. It is time to get out of bed. The danger you're doing to yourself spiritually, the effects that it's taking on you spiritually to continue laying in bed, letting your wounds mend and heal, are far more dangerous than the pain you're going to feel when you get out of bed and begin to walk again. Will there be some pain? Certainly. Did my mom feel pain when she stood up for that first time in her bed? Yes. Did she have to do it? Yes. Listen, if you're a follower of Jesus, it is time to get out of bed. It'll hurt a little bit to serve again, but being dormant, listen to me, being dormant isn't healing you. It's putting you at risk for fit for many, it's putting you at risk for many more compli com, uh, complications. Apathy, bitterness, unforgiveness, loss of joy, loss of burden, loss of faith, disobedience, even idolatry. You must, and it is imperative that you do, you must get up and walk. You must serve again. Can't wait another day. Right now we're doing some surgery. That's what's going on right here. I'm doing some surgery. But following this, you're going to sign up to serve. It's been long enough. And you need to begin thinking right now about what Jesus has done for you and less about what others have done to you. It's about him. It's always about him. It's always about those who do not know. Mark chapter 1, verses 29. Um, interesting story here. It's just kind of a little, little blip in scripture. But Jesus left the synagogue. He went with James and John. And they went to Simon. That's Peter. You may know him as, as well. To Simon and, Peter, Simon and Andrew's home. They were brothers. Simon's mother-in-law was sick and in bed with a high fever. 
and they told Jesus about her right away. Jesus went to her bedside, took her by the hand and helped her to sit up. Then the fever left her. And then she prepared a meal for them. And you can search, there's many, many sermons about this, but we're healed to serve. We're saved to serve. The response of the Christ follower is always serving. When you say, I follow Jesus, it always puts us in the posture of of washing people's feet as Jesus did to the disciples. It always puts us in the posture of preparing a meal like Simon Peter's mother did. It always puts us in the posture of helping other people because a a faith that is self-serving and only cares about ourselves is not faith in Jesus. It 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 is a form of of religion that looks alive, but it's dead. It is always the response when we follow Jesus. The first sermon I preached as a lead pastor in September of 2011, I preached on this portion of scripture in Acts chapter 14. I want to read verses 19 and 20 to you. Paul's preaching, it says some Jews from Antioch and Iconium, they showed up and they won the crowds to their side. I mean, Paul's preaching, people are getting saved. People are, tell me more about Jesus. But then um, uh, people who didn't believe in Jesus show up and they win the crowd to their side, form a mob, they drag, they stone Paul. This is big rocks. Just bash on him over and over again until they're dead. They drag him outside of the town and they thought he was dead. He was that brutalized, pulverized. They're like, all right, we're done, good. If they thought he was still alive, they would have kept going. But what happens next is always the part, this is where our core value, keep moving forward, comes from. So believers gathered around. Listen, we're gathering around around you today they prayed for him he got up and he went back into the town the same town where he was just where they just thought they murdered him and then the next day takes off with Barnabas and head to a new city just connect some dots here again all right you've been hurt in church before maybe you've been hurt in this church before but that's possible we're not perfect listen, there's going to be believers that gather around you. Say, come on, let's pray. Give me your hand. You're going to get up and put on whatever rocky music you need or whatever restoration worship song you need and say, all right, there's some scars, there's some bruises, there's some blood. But you say, wait a minute, my mission and my calling, same as Jesus, so you can save the lost. My mission and calling, same as it has always been, just one more. And if I'm breathing, if I survived that stoning, if I've survived that, that problem, if I survived that dysfunction or that toxicity, and I'm still here, then my mission is still the same. Hey, have you heard about Jesus? Let me tell you how good he is. This is the type of walk 
with Jesus that we need for the next 75 years. This is the type of walk with Jesus that you need for the days that are ordained for you. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, we love you. And we thank you. We thank you for our history, for all the testimonies in the past of different, just different obstacles that you overcame, different miracles that you did financially, physically, spiritually. God, our past is filled with them. Jesus, we know our future is filled with them as well because you are the same God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You haven't lost power. You haven't lost desire. You haven't, you haven't lost anything. You're still moving and changing lives. And, and God, your plans cannot be thwarted or stopped. God, I pray. I pray for those who are in the game already praying about kingdom builders, already saying, God, help me to give more than last year. Bless them. Give them favor. Give them ability. God, give, do financial miracles across every location that we would hit that billion dollar um, a year annual goal. And God, it would just be the beginning of what you've called us to do. I want to take a time out for my prayer. God, hold on a second. I, I want to share this with you. I want to share this with you connected when I just prayed, so I don't want to forget. Um, our, through our Honduras project and our kids giving to BGMC, I got an email that was a, honestly a little surprise that I got. Travis was here a few weeks ago and he talked about our church and, and it's BGMC giving. That's our kids' kingdom builders project. Well, I got an email that shocked me. Restoration Church, we were amongst 13,500 Assembly of God churches in the United States. We were 10th in the nation in our BGMC giving. 10th in the nation. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Sorry, God. And I, I just pray, God, that that will... That just heart of generosity will continue, and God, it will be something that we pass on to these kids in this room. And Jesus, we pray for these kids. Pray you put a call on their life. I pray that every kid in every location, every kid online, they will determine in their heart now, Jesus, I give you my life, and I'm going to serve you every day for the rest of my life. We just pray that over every kid in Jesus' name. Show them your call. Show them your love. Show them your goodness. Allow us to be a church that serves you well, that they can copy us and imitate us and grow closer to you. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you place our church, our lives, our future in your hands. We're going after what we believe you want us to go after, but you're free to change those plans at any point. God, you're able, we, we, we allow you to do it all next year and we can change it and come back with, with more. Whatever you want, Jesus, do it. And I just pray for everyone in here who's like feeling like they, you know, 
pastor's talking to me, he wants me to start serving, I'm not ready, I don't, I just pray, God, you speak to them. Speak to them to, to trust you. And God, they'll see the joy and feel the joy of being served, uh, of serving you again. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, will you stand to your feet? Kids, in our, uh, in our services, when I am done preaching, we worship Jesus a little bit. Kids, you're doing so good. Thank you for being part and listening to me talk for so long. I know you're asking your parents, when is this over? It's just about over. Let's sing to Jesus here for just a little bit, and then Donnie will close out the service here in Dover.